Hi everyone, I'm Graham Smith and welcome to this episode of Abolish the Monarchy podcast brought to you by Republic. Um, today I'm talking to Kevin Maguire, journalist and broadcaster and associate editor of the Daily Mirror. Um, how are you doing, Kevin? Not too bad. Uh, yeah. it's, it's sunny. Uh, the lockdown's on, but uh, you know, life has to carry on as much yeah, as yeah. possible. Absolutely. Now, um, obviously, you know, it's, uh, you only have to follow your Twitter feed or see you talk about this issue uh, on air and um, it's fairly obvious that you've got pretty strong opinions on uh, this issue I mean what what would you say is your kind of main issue with the monarchy I mean is it principle is it the the way they behave is it the constitution I mean what what is it for you that uh, that 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 you want to get rid of the monarchy for a republic well, I grew up instinctively uh, anti-monarchist. I came from a family, working-class family on Tyneside, who were anti-monarchist. As uh, my dad would always say, they know little about your life and they care even less. And one of my sisters, uh, much later, for my parents' golden wedding anniversary, contacted Buckingham Palace. They have a formal system. The Queen sends a card. I remember, my mum said, "I don't want that. I don't want that. She doesn't really care. You can take that away. I never asked for that. Get it out of the house." But um, on that background. I, it, it, in in truth, that's you know the emotional uh, opposition and uh, disquiet I have uh, towards the monarchy. But it's actually in principle and practice. The principle is we live in a democracy. Hmm. So why is one family at the head of that uh, democracy? Uh, the role of the DNA dice throwing up all sorts of uh, weird people like uh, Andrew Windsor, Prince Andrew, of course, hmm. uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the paedophile's friend. Uh, so there's that principle. It just it just it jars. It really really jars. But then the practice is the very very fact we allow this. They give an air of legitimacy legitimacy to inequality, vast disparities in in wealth and power. And I think that's mm. really unhealthy for us as a country. And I, I was reading something uh, that you wrote a little while ago, saying uh, the Queen's role is to apply a royal gloss to a grotesque inequality, to legitimise the unfair role of the DNA dice, and to deploy deference as a weapon to shield the unearned loot of a ruling class. So <laughs> you couldn't put it more uh, directly than that. So I mean, is that a big part of your objection that this is sort of uh, perpetuates this inequality and in an unequal class-based system? It doesn't. It can never be said to have earned it. Uh, whatever you think of somebody like Alan Sugar. He, he earned his money. You can argue mm. he, he earned too much. He did it on the backs of others. He should pay more tax, but he he earned it. That is not the case uh, with the with the monarchy. And uh, I don't know. I just you, know, you see too much deference to, towards them. Uh, but we're kind of you know, the, the thrust of the the media, uh, newspapers, broadcasts is, is all you know, just accept it. They do a great job, often mm. without any evidence whatsoever. Bring in loads of tourism. Well, where's the evidence mm. for that? Uh, they cost you ne- next to nothing, leaving out security costs, which are which are very high. Now, I think we we just got to be more questioning about the the monarchy. Why is it there? It's a long often broken chain from warlords uh, dictators in the in the past they say well it's just constitutional don't do any harm do a bit of bit of good well i think they do do some harm just by mm. the very existence of the monarchy and um i mean obviously just the other day there was the queen's message uh, to the nation and I, I saw you sort of tweeting something uh, i can't remember off the top of my head what it was now but it was along the lines of you know there's going to be you know half an hour whatever of no gushing nonsense from journalists and um i mean what is that i mean why why did, i mean the message to me was pretty anodyne and you know uh, an australian friend of mine said you know how many 
platitudes can you string together in, in three minutes but um I mean, why do we then start talking about it as if it's the greatest message since uh, since Moses came down the mountain? I mean, it's, it, uh, it's an extraordinary reaction. It was. I, I saw uh, Nick Robinson, the BBC Today uh, presenter, who I like and uh, admire. Mm. He tweeted, uh, oh, that we'll meet again message, only the Queen could deliver that. I thought, well, Vera mm. Lynn might have something to say about that, <laughs> if it was a, a song that popularised it. But it was. It, look, she, she read the uh, script. She didn't stumble. Uh, but it, it was written for her. It would have been mm. government approved. And mm. if you needed the Queen to say that coronavirus and the changes it's made to our lives with the, with the lockdown, people not going to work, not using public transport, being told not to see your family. Well, if you need the Queen to tell you that, uh, you must have been hiding and missing uh, a lot. And mm. it's all very well for her to say, well, we'll all, you know, we'll all be all right. Sadly, we won't all be all right no. because the, a, lot, a lot of families uh, have lost loved ones. More will have uh, members and who are going to be seriously impaired physically after this as well mm. as, as mentally the economy's taking a hit some mm. people won't get their jobs back other people will lose businesses so I thought I thought in truth it was pretty glib uh, maybe some people want that and they're looking for reassurance uh, and they, they get it from from a monarch uh, sitting in Windsor Castle, uh, she'd moved from Buckingham Palace. I know you're not supposed to go to second homes, you're told. Well, she mm. went early from Buckingham Palace to Windsor Castle to sit it out there. And maybe, you know, if, if, people, if people in one way want comfort from that, then fine, it's a, it's a crisis, let them take comfort. But I do question why uh, they will take that from her. Why? What's, what's in their mindset? What's mm. deference and subservience and bending the knee and curtsying and tucking the fall off? Why? Why are you doing that? And I, I mean, I, it seemed a little bit cynical to me in terms of the timing because they recorded it, I think, on the Thursday or the Wednesday before, um, and yet they then scheduled it for eight o'clock on the Sunday evening during a lockdown. <laughs> Everyone's going to be sitting and watching the TV anyway. I trailed it, and you know, loads of sort of quotes coming out the, during the day, really trying to make sure they got a good uh, audience. And um, they've since apparently taken to advertising, which is a, a new thing in Piccadilly Circus. But I mean. Is, are they more aware that actually the public aren't that bothered and they're trying to drum up the interest? Yeah, I think I think they know younger generations aren't falling for it the way older generations did. Uh, you know, she was she was harking back to the Second World War. Um, you know that means less and less to younger mm. people. That's not to say. They, they don't appreciate the sacrifice people who made who are defending uh, freedom against the the Nazis uh, when the final Battle of Britain pilot dies I'm, I'm sure young people will feel it as much as, uh, as as older people but at the same time they don't you know they, they don't live their lives entirely in the past like that and they're more they're more inquiring I think there are long-term problems for the royal family because uh, because of that because younger people weren't as wowed by by the recent weddings um they probably quite cheer harry and megan leaving the country i mean i certainly did uh, i wish they'd taken andrew with them um <laughs> although i'm not sure he wants to step foot in the united states at all he may have to uh, <laughs> speak to the fbi if he if he does but there there is a long-term problem there for for the monarchy i think uh, no where where republicans graham mm. millions of republicans in the united kingdom we very rarely get a get a voice we're treated as as the other yep uh, the n number of times i've been on tv and radio programs and i've said something about the monarchy that's been critical and say well you're a republican but they don't say when somebody gushes about mm. the monarchy well you're a monarchist yeah. 
that's why you're doing it and somehow it's, it's almost an attempt to devalue your view hmm. when you when you criticize them that's wrong but but you know but young young people have just grown up in a different era and they they may you may want a meritocracy we don't have a meritocracy and you can never have a meritocracy when you have a, a monarchy just but it's just there yeah. because uh, Mother, father was there. Grandparents were there. Great grandparents were there, until we bring them in from Germany and, uh, and Holland and <laughs> elsewhere in the past, of course. Yeah, just, oh, just to uh, join up the line. What is it with journalists? I mean, I mean, you're a journalist. You write in the in the mirror and, and uh, you're on TV and so on. But you, you you know all these people. I mean, what? Why do journalists gush in this way? Why do they not? I mean, they apply so much critical thinking and, and judgment to how they cover politics, and then yeah. it all goes out the window when it comes to the Queen. Yeah, I, well, I think well, I, could, I could see why there's some respect for her, because she's been a, around uh, for so long. And, you know, the line always trotted out, well, she's never put a foot wrong, well, we don't really know what, mm. what, she, what she's done. We're not privy to, to many of the conver- conversations, are we? Um, I think... I think there is a kind of sign that she's uh, above politics, and they they view her as differently when she is. She's actually an intrinsic part of a state and a state that uh, that that needs to be challenged and needs to be more challenging its it, itself. So she's treated differently. But you're right, you know, politi- uh, politicians may want to keep it that way. But we as journalists, well, we're you know we're traditionally and uh, addicted to mischief, and you want to challenge, and then all of a sudden, some people. Just go a bit soft. I, I work for a, a paper, the, the Daily Mirror, that's uh, that's very royalist. Um, thankfully, uh, they don't see us all who work for it as sheep, so I'm allowed to express my own views. I'm very very hostile to the monarchy, as is Brian Reed, another another columnist. And I find whenever I write something that is critical of the monarchy, particularly when it's the cost of the monarchy. The bills for doing a Buckingham Palace, the bills for doing Frogmore Cottage, which was really a house, the costs of weddings, get an enormous postbag, an enormous postbag from people who think this is quite right. Why are we spending all this money on one family when there are millions of people wanting a decent home? They've seen what's happened to their health service. They know teachers in schools are now having to buy books and even doing the cleaning because of cuts. They know what's happened on welfare cuts. They've seen their own wages squeezed, and they, they quite rightly question it. But too, too often the default position is just go along with a monarchy and think, hey, hey, this is a this is a great thing. We're very lucky to have them. We're not lucky to have them. We're unlucky to have them. And, I mean, I think this is quite important. I mean, I, I I've said before that I think that the support for monarchy is high but shallow. And you, yes. when it comes to the money, that really riles people because it's a very clear, practical sort of outrageous thing. And and this very much came out with when Prince Harry quit the, the royals and, and then said oh but we're still going to spend your money on our security and and there was a lot of hostility to that here and in canada of course yeah well there is there'd be, there'd be many people who move abroad to live or work and uh, you know you give up things you, you know you won't see the copper you might see in your local shopping center won't be won't be you can't take them with you to protect you and mm. it's somehow that uh, <laughs> yeah megan markle and uh, Harry Windsor or Wales or whatever you want to want to call him, they choose to go away as they have, and they want a fresh start as they sort of will because they want to keep some of the perks as they they go. But look, they've gone to make money, hmm. they've gone to make their fortunes, 
And they might make their fortunes, but if they're making their fortunes, why are we going to be subsidising them and, pay, and paying for them when they're, they're out there? And it could be an enormous bill. There is that sense of privilege and entitlement they have. And yes, some people say they do, do some very good work on uh, mental health and so on, and I don't deny that. But then thousands of people do very good on mental mental health and get no no credit for it and don't ask for any credit for it. And they don't go around saying, I'm a good person because I, I do mm. all this work on mental health. Well, the royals, just by their very nature, they want to take credit, public credit, mm. uh, and they want pats on the back for whatever whatever they do. Lots of, lots of people are very uh, selfless, but I think the royals are just intrinsically selfish. That's interesting. I mean, you know, this is the, the what we're always told is that they are committed to duty and you know, always putting themselves out there for for charity and all the rest of it. But I mean, it has always struck me that it's it's more about giving themselves a a role and a um, uh, you know a public profile than than actually doing anything solid and practical. Yeah, it's always interesting, isn't it, when they. Uh they make uh, unpublicized trips to do to go somewhere or do something we always read about them later and hear about <laughs> yeah, them yeah. they always they always want the, they just want the publicity delay they want to wait uh, wait a little bit no I mean, of course some charities will say well that's why we want them on a letterhead because yeah. they'll open doors um, to some extent they might uh, for some charities uh, you know won't deny that but I think for many charities I bet you they just become a bit of a drag and how often do you see them uh, well I mean they, they have hundreds of charities don't they so I mean I don't suppose they divide no. their time up very fairly amongst them so yeah well um, I'd, quite, I'd quite like to sit one of them down and with a list of all the charities they're parents for and say could you just name the charities your yeah. <laughs> parents for and just see how many we could get through yeah. on that list but of course tell, they us, don't, tell us what they do yeah well they don't yeah. really do interviews like that do we yeah. uh, and I suspect after uh, what happened with uh Andrew and Emily Maitlis. Mm. Uh, I don't think they'll be doing any full form interviews again. They like to do little clips. They yeah. like a few deferential questions, which uh, are often you know, agreed in in advance. You know what the answers are gonna gonna be. That's what they'll do. Mm. But they they're, they're shielded. That's but what this, they are. They're this strikes me as outrageous. I mean, I I sat down when, uh, quite a while back now with a um, royal correspondent. I won't say which one, but I, I just said. You know why? When there's you know, Prince Charles is in the news for spending our money when he shouldn't have done, for example. Why are we just being given his press officer's statement when he should be asked to come on air and do an interview? And if he doesn't, if he declines, then you should say that you asked and he declined. And the, the response yeah. is, well, we all we all know they don't do interviews. It's like, well, yeah, well, why <laughs> is that good enough? You know, and uh, there there is uh, some some pretty good objective um, coverage by by royal correspondents. I read it in my own paper. I read it in the Sunday Times, just to name two. Um, and when you chat to royal correspondents um, privately, they, they have a really good take on it, uh, but they rely on access. You want some access, uh, and to, to keep that access, however limited it be, it's sometimes d difficult for them to keep that access and, and say what they would really feel. I, I understand that as a journalist. happens in, in all fields of journalism. Uh, it's going to be said uh, in po politics too. Um, but that's, I'm not, sh I'm not sure in, in politics or, or covering the royals that that's sometimes uh, biting your tongue or pulling your fingers off the keyboard. It, it serves everyone well. 
I guess, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the BBC gets a lot of stick for its relationship with the Royals, and I think that they are perhaps what I'm thinking of when I, I think, well, you know, yeah. on Newsnight, why don't you say, well, we asked Prince Charles to come in and do an interview, and he declined. And how many times would they say that until he, he, he relented? I mean, maybe he would never relent, but uh, at least people would understand that he's resisting any kind of scrutiny. Yeah, the, the bombshell uh, interview with uh, with Andrew and Maitlis was on the on the BBC. Given that, but yes, they, they're absolutely. in that unusual yeah. position, the BBC as the yeah. state broadcaster and access. Mm. But you're quite right. If they say we asked the Treasury if a minister would uh, come on, they said none was available. Well, mm. we asked Buckingham Palace if a royal would come on, none were available. Yeah, indeed. I, yeah. I think that, I think that would be fair enough because yeah. they are part of the, you know, the, the the fabric of the United Kingdom as it exists now mm. they are an institution that taxpayer funded they have an impact uh, worse or good on public life state of the nation so they should be held more accountable and if they if they refuse then then say that it's, it's rather like there was a case I can't remember the reporter now there was a case of somebody uh, was sh- shouting questions at Prince Charles when he was on one of his little trips and the, the police stopped it stepped in you can't do that now no one should be abusing anybody or swearing mm. at them but to ask a, a question about whatever the I- issue of the moment is I think is perfectly reasonable mm. I think those answers, that- answers they come none yeah, was that Michael Crick? I think a little while ago when was the letters Crickie? came out, yeah. uh, it was um, the Guardian letters came out, and he tried to ask him questions as he walked in and got pushed away by someone. But, um, That's just wrong. It's yeah. just, it just yeah. it's wrong, but it just it shows they're they're kind of protected and treated with kid gloves. Yeah. You know, if they want to be private people, let them let them quit and go and be private people. I'd be very happy for that. Yeah. I mean, talking about Prince Charles, I mean, obviously there's a pretty good uh, chance that by the end of this decade he will be King Charles. I mean, yeah. does that worry you? I mean, is it beyond the, the principle and the, the whole institution? I mean, this this particular person is going to be king, and uh, that certainly uh, alarms me a little bit, given his uh, his record as, as um, heir to the throne. Mm, worry me, or is it an opportunity? Mm. I, think, I think I might see it like uh, that. that I, I think the... The, pa- the passing of uh, Elizabeth II, who should be Elizabeth the last, I think is an opportunity. I think a spell might be broken. Uh, I think I think he's I, I think he's very very unsuitable to be king. He's too much of a meddler. He's interfered too much in in politics. He doesn't have the uh, the popular appeal. Uh, he's probably going to be short lived because of his age. Not that I wish him uh, an, an earlier um, departure on this mortal coil. Uh, I think I think it's an, an opportunity. I think it'll be a greater scrutiny on the monarchy and the role of it. Why why is why do we put up with it? Why do we endure it? Um, he must be aware of that that too. Whether issues whether his wife Camilla is queen matters not. If they if the tradition is a king and a queen, I I don't see why she has to be a consort or anything no, like that. I'm no. not I'm not some Victorian values person like that, but. <laughs> I think him, him coming to the coming to the throne is is a moment actually for for those of us who are are Republicans. Uh, there's been to some extent they're destroying themselves from the inside. Now um, Harry and Meghan decided they were going to leave because they they couldn't stick it. Do you think there's going the, to be a continuous sort of thorn in their side with Harry and Meghan being in the in the states? Yeah, they the first the first woman of colour. 
to mm. enter that family and she wants to leave it turned out not to be what she thought she probably had a disney idea of it and then you find out mm. it, it ain't quite like that the novelty of you know, unveiling plaques to yourself wears off a bit <laughs> some people wanting a bit of your time um the, me the media criticism um was it mo uh, motivated by racism? Maybe a little bit, but I don't think that was the over overwhelming reason for the for the coverage. The overwhelming reason for the coverage uh, when it was negative was you can't be an equal warrior and be flying around on private jets. Yeah, you can't go around meeting people who have, have had a terrible, terrible time in life and just complaining about how awful it is for you. And clearly, yes, uh, but. Uh, you're you're in a great position of privilege. You can't have all that money, two point four million, I think it was, spent on a on a home and not expect some scrutiny and questions about why you get that preferential treatment when there are other people sleeping rough on the on the streets. But then you look, you know, that's that's troublesome for the uh, for the institution. There's no, 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 but then you look at the behaviour of uh, you know, of Andrew Windsor. Uh, and his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein, him mm. refusing to speak to the FBI. We now we now believe, despite saying he he would if he if he could, the allegations of sex trafficked women, which of course he denies. But it, just his admissions alone about staying with Epstein, pretending he was or believing he was being honourable uh, to go see it, it just it really it really makes people sick. Yeah. And he, and it, I mean, obviously, they had a tough time in the 90s, but it, I mean, I get the impression that this is, the, the 20s may be much harder for them yeah. for these reasons. And because I think, would you agree that, I mean, public attitude, I think, has definitely changed uh, yeah. considerably yeah. over the last 30 years. Yeah, deference is declining, Graham. That's a good, that's a good thing. Uh, it's, it's not what it was. Um, the soap operas with uh, Diana and... And Fergie, um, when the marriages break down, it can get very messy. People under understand that it probably did, didn't do a lot for the dignity of the uh, the wobbling institution, but it's not in the same league as the uh, allegations and questions and charges uh, swirling around uh, uh, Andrew, the Queen's favourite son. They're just in a very, very different, different league, and I think incredibly damaging to them. And they're they're not going to go away, and quite rightly, they shouldn't go away when there are women and their lawyers in the in the U.S. making um, serious, serious uh, allegations. They they should be answered in absolute detail. Uh, and that you, legal you process, be able to hide. yeah, that legal process is not going to go anywhere. I mean, it drags on for years in the U, in the U.S. I think with these things and. Um I don't think that's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, the thing about some of these criticisms are aimed at people like Meghan and Harry. It seems like an odd relationship where the people that claim to like the monarchy are the ones who have these rather odd uh, standards that they apply. And even the thing that you mentioned about Camilla being consort, it seems to be the monarchists <laughs> that want this and are horrified at the idea that she might be queen. It's like, well, and you and I probably don't care you know, if if she's married now, to the king, then she's queen. You know, it's if it's curious, almost damaging relationship that the royalists have with them. Yeah, well, the royalists are those hardcore royalists are, are in a, a rank and status and position. Mm. 
uh, in a way we're not. It's, it's rather more fundamental a principle um, for for us, but they are, and, and, I, and I suspect at that end of those royalists, there's a, there's a terrible degree of snobbery. And I think that's probably more to do. I think that probably underlines a lot of the criticism of uh, Meghan as well. Is yeah. Rather than her, it, I mean, there certainly has been some racism there, but I think a lot of it was snobbery and sort of what's yeah. this American divorcee doing in the in this family. No, there was, and she is from from what I know. But I, I, I know it's like it's second second hand, but I believe I believe the source, uh, which I can't disclose, otherwise mm. I'd reveal the source. But I, I think she she was a how would you put it rather demanding. Yes, uh, as she came over as an actress and was used to your certain ways in a, in a studio, you snap your fingers and things get done, uh, and it wasn't exactly like that within that that family because she's low down in the pecking order, and I think mm. she found that hard hard to take. But um, she, you know, she was demanding. But, the, but no, I agree. There certainly seemed to be some snobbery against her, and that's uh, yeah, that's regrettable. And, and uh, you know, on that, I have uh, I have some sympathy for her. I don't, I don't most of them. I don't dislike them as as people I, I quite like to speak to the queen and interview her not that she'd uh, ever allow it the only time i've been allowed to interview a uh, a royal was uh, some decades ago when i worked for the daily telegraph you might be surprised to uh, to learn and i was sent to buckingham palace to interview prince philip about the duke of edinburgh award scheme and i um when you, you you turn up you go through the gates uh, you're taken down a corridor and a flunky said right well, when we go in uh we we stand, we bow, then we you know walk forwards, however many paces it was, and I just thought I'm not bowing, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I'm not. Uh, I, I take I take the view of me, ma'am, that uh, I'm better than nobody, and nobody's yeah. better than me. Yeah. So I'm not going to bow to anybody. So I didn't I didn't bow, of course. Yeah. Prince Philip clocked it. Yeah. Uh, when I went forwards and sort of shake his hand and say how do you do, which is the normal very polite formal. Yeah. Uh, did he care? Well, he was very frosty, but then of course he could have just been frosty anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, true. Yeah. It's but I'll say the Duke Member Award scheme's good. It doesn't have to be named after him. You could have it without him, but it is. Yeah, and fact, I mean, he he actually denied in an interview for his ninetieth birthday. He said it was nothing to do with me, you know. And uh, yes, that's right. I know. I thought that was very funny. Then the interviewer saying, "Oh no, it, it, you know, don't." It must don't, be. Yeah. yeah, it must be. And you know, we want to give you this accolade. You know, <laughs> I actually got my Duke of Edinburgh Award uh, when I was twenty and went to the St James's Palace, and um, he was there. And it's all fairly uninspiring, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an excellent. You got award. it from him. Was that a gold one? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so it's it presented, it presented to me by uh, Robin Cousins, the Olympic. Uh, uh, no, the ice skater. Did, but ice skater. Yes. Um, no, that's, that's the revelation of the interview. It's from the, it's the it's from the interviewer, not the interviewee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, were you, um, you were a Republican back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've always been as well. I mean, I, my parents weren't quite so blunt about it, but they always allowed us to make up our own minds. So, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. for as long as I can remember. But, um, yeah, I was happy to go there out of curiosity more than anything else. But Yes, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. But I know that, I mean, someone else that uh, I spoke to, Joan Smith, who uh, journalist and yes. um, writer, Hello, she, she uh, has written about going to the palace um, and sort of being put in this lineup to meet the Queen and being told, you know, don't talk to her until she's spoken to you and all this kind of thing. And and like you, she you know, the Queen came along and Joan just put her hand out and said, hello, how are you? And the Queen just didn't know what to do. You know, this is so outside of her normal yeah. um, experience. And she just sort of 
blanked her and walked to the next person. It's very odd. But, um, I've always uh, I've always smiled at when I was a, a schoolboy, nineteen seventy seven, the Silver Jubilee. Yep. And the Queen visited uh, South Shields, my hometown, and. Uh, some people turned out, but uh, Muhammad Ali came the same year, and huge crowds turned out. He came, to have his, he yeah. came to have his wedding blessed at the local mosque, and I thought, Look, yeah. this shows you who people really rate. We're, yeah. we're told it's got to be the Queen, but actually, he's not that that rated. You can always you can get a bit of a crowd for it, but you get a bit of a crowd. You you get a few police officers and put up a few barriers and you get people wandering by and stopping and looking. Absolutely. I think that yeah. those crowds for certainly the other <clears throat> the others are never as big as they're made out in photographs and, uh, and no. TV coverage because they're just getting a small area. If you, if you had an aerial shot, you'd, you'd see there were probably more people in McDonald's. Absolutely. And even, even the Jubilee, I mean, we went to some of these Jubilee visits that the Queen did and, you know, the crowds were... Yeah, probably bigger than normal because of all the press coverage. But you walk one block away, and there's just hundreds of people yeah. going about their normal daily life. So yeah, but um, you're told you're told the whole nation is whatever. Yeah, and yeah. the whole nation is not whatever. No. And I think the social media is certainly helping people to understand that as well. Because I think I remember my parents saying that uh, when the Charles and Diana wedding was on, the the, the story was the same. The whole country's watching, and, and so they say, "Well, we're going to not watch. We're going to go down to Dawlish on the south coast and spend the day on the beach." And uh, it was absolutely rammed with people <laughs> doing yeah. the same thing. You know, that, uh, I went to the Peak District uh, on that day. Yeah, uh, camping. It was a it was a gorgeous sunny day. I know because I got really got bad sunburn. Some people would think that <laughs> it was <laughs> was royal vengeance, but uh, nevertheless, it was yeah, it was just just nonsense, wasn't it? The idea everyone just sitting at home watching it is just just not true. And I find it all very. I mean, it's, it sort of goes back to the whole thing about how what sort of people they are and whether they are the people that we want representing us. Because I, I always look to. I mean, Michael D Higgins, the president of Ireland, I just think is fantastic and um, yeah, absolutely, really down to earth, really decent sort of bloke. And there was this photo a while ago of him as president standing patiently waiting for someone to use a cash machine uh, before he could use it and someone someone spotted him and took a photo it went viral and, and yeah. Ireland just loved him for it being really down to earth and I just think that's far more inspiring than uh, than someone who won't even speak to you if you don't uh, if you speak to them first now if we if we had a meet uh, vote for a, a meet and greeter to perform that role just say mm. the speaker of the house of commons lindsay hoyle doesn't do it and you need mm. a, a meter and, and greeter and we vote for someone i'd i'd quite like somebody like jk rowling if she would do it but i'd vote yeah. for it but i might get somebody i don't want uh might be richard branson uh whatever but i would have to accept that because we've we've had a vote and we've decided um look I've, most of my life i've had governments i don't uh, i don't vote for and i don't want but i yeah. but i accept why they are there with yeah. the with a monarchy you have a head of state none of us have had a say in uh and it's it's just the old bloodline down in, in a family although that that is much broken as, as we were discussing earlier um it's, it's not you know, the same line in history. Of course it's not. Because apart important. from the tourism thing, I mean, the most tedious response I ever get is, oh, well, I don't want President Blair. And it's like, well, there are so few people that want President Blair. He's never going, he's never even going to be no, standing, no. is he? I mean, it, and, no. and the, who you do get is the people, is by definition the people, the one that people most want. So, you know, yeah, you know if, if, as if, opposed if to a, Prince Charles. You know. That's right. If it's, if it's a cultural figure, a social figure, a charity figure, a mm. political figure, a business mm. uh, figure, somebody wider civic society... Whoever it is, 
I, I would I would find they would have more legitimacy than uh, Elizabeth, Charles, William. Mm. Was it Louis after that? The I don't know. Yeah, I forget now. George, I think. Yeah. George, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, the idea it's somehow programmed several generations yes. ahead is utterly nonsense. I mean, given George's age, I mean, I, I think I realised the other day that uh, we know who our heads of state are going to be for the rest of this century and uh, and the, they're all men from the same family I mean that is quite a mad situation to be in yeah I can see why they want to keep it that way uh, I, under- I understand uh, if if, some- if somebody's built up a family firm they want to pass it to their son and then grandson then that's fine they've built it up but we're not talking about any normal family firm we're, we're talking about who is the head of state in the United Kingdom in a democracy it shouldn't just be foisted upon us. Do you think that William is enthusiastic? I mean, I do wonder whether some of Harry's lack of enthusiasm for the whole thing is shared by his brother and whether perhaps George might grow up looking to his uncle rather than to his dad and saying, actually, no, this being king thing isn't all that much fun. Yeah, it's interesting. You never get that those doubts about Charles, who just seems to be chomping at the bit and can't wait to take over. But you do wonder that about... William, when he looks at it, and maybe maybe there's a little a little bit of him, a little nagging bit that thinks this is all nonsense. Uh, why why are we doing it? He probably likes uh, all the privileges, but does he does he want to spend his life life doing that? And you know, maybe he maybe he knows public support is is waning. Maybe maybe he can feel it too with younger people. Uh, um, I've got no I've got no hard evidence of that. I know. No. Clearly, Harry had publicly said he thought it was all nonsense, and they just did it because they had to uh, before he decided to to leg it. Um, but you you got to, you got to wonder, and if you're if you're his son, God, blimey, it's uh, you might get free tickets to everything and have uh, people bowing and always lining up behind a, a a little bit of rope on a red carpet with name tags. But yeah, got to be more but, to life than that. Yeah, and I imagine you'd get that anyway, even if you walked away. So uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he's not going to be penniless and live in a hall in a road with a bit of tarapaul in a way. <laughs> no. I just find, I mean, in terms of, obviously, it's, it's a big part of the Constitution. I mean, do you think that the the rigmarole and the pomp and ceremony and and the fact that we're a constitutional monarchy, does, does that have an impact on our political culture? And the, I just sometimes feel it's a little bit sort of high and mighty and pompous, even with, within Parliament and the Palace of Westminster. I mean, do you think there is a, it's kind of rubbing off and, and doing something to our political culture? Yeah, well, it, it does get a bit of deference, doesn't it? If uh, you know, democracy is under undermined when, for the state opening of of Parliament, uh, somebody from the unelected House of Lords, Black Rod, uh, House of Cronies, goes across, bangs on the door, and says, uh, "You know, the Queen, the Queen, in the other places, summoned you lot. It's 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 putting them in their place and putting them in their in their box." I think a bit of it rubs off. Some some of them like it. Uh, they quite like tugging the old forelock, but I think others others resent it and. You know, getting rid of the monarchy is part of a, a wider constitutional change. You know, the House of Lords, as it is now, w- would go to. We'd want to sweep away patronage. We'd want more democracy. We want greater equality and and fairness and genuine opportunities. So I think it's you could see if if the monarchy goes, perhaps a dam will burst, and that's why vested interests and people with privileges they want to protect. Mm. want to keep the monarchy there and they see it as a bulwark i think there's a lot of truth in that i i, I 
Yeah, I mean, it was going to be a major... I mean, people say the Queen puts us on the map. I think getting rid of the monarchy is going to put us on, on the map. I, I mean, know, it's going to be a right. huge uh, event in... in you know, everybody's going to be talking about it for a very long time. So. What? So uh, so France or the USA, which don't have monarchies, aren't on the <coughs> map? I mean, it just... Oh, well, indeed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it, no, but it is. It's sort of yeah. you know, look. It, it gives us it gives us a little Disney side if that's what mm. you want. Mm. But come on, this is the twenty first uh, yeah. century. You know. But I've got American it's, friends who just think it's really mad and very strange, and um, you know, and they're the right. Ideas. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and I think the, I, to be honest, I think it, it it puts us in a bad light. And I think it's, it's, people talk about uh, brand Britain, but I, is it the right brand? I just don't think it is. I think it makes us nah. look daft. Um, nah, 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 nah. But. Um, yeah, we shall see. Anyway, I more or less running out of time. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been a really interesting chat. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it, uh, Greg, particularly the revelation. Uh, you have a Duke <laughs> of Edinburgh Gold Award, which you received at St. James's Palace. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So thanks for uh, joining us uh, on the Abolish the Monarchy podcast. Don't forget you can find out more about Republic at republic.org.uk, including links to our social media and our YouTube channel. And you can find out more about how you can support Republic, whether by joining, donating or getting involved.